Congratulations. You made it to the Xville. You can sit back and relax, unpack your bags, and we hope you enjoy the show. Hey there, Mike, a.k.a. MTB Trigger here, and with me as always is my co-host Ronald, a.k.a. Ronald, a.k.a. Eric. Hey, hey, wait, wait, wait. Trigger, did Spellcheck get my name again? Come on, come on. Maybe. <laughs> I think I, I think I finally figured out why everyone calls you Ronald, and I didn't know if it was the way that I said your name, but, but I was actually typing your name into something. And it spell corrected your name if I didn't capitalize it into Ronald. And so I'm wondering if when people say Ronald and MTB or something like that, I, I wonder if that's what happens to everybody or if they just think I'm adding the D on the end. But I don't know. Maybe I figured it out. <laughs> it's pretty funny either way. <laughs> anyway, if you're brand new, welcome. This is an Escape from Tarkov podcast where we talk about all things EFT, and our goal is to get better at the game, and we hope that you come along with us on that journey. So this week, uh, we're actually going to dive into some backstory, and then I had some interesting stuff happen in the last week that I wanted to talk about as it relates to some of the PvE content or ideas that we've had over the last few weeks. So I'm excited to jump into that. But first, as always, let's get our hideout keeping done and out of the way so we can jump into the Tarkov content. So this week, we're just going to talk about supporting the show and then we're going to get right into it. So the absolute best way to support the show, as always, is to share it with a friend, whether it's someone new to the game, struggling with something in the game, or just looking for a community to go out and shoot other PMCs or take as much gear out of a raid as you possibly can with some friends. Let people know about the Xfil community. We're well beyond 1,300 members, approaching 1,400. Let them know we're out here. That's the best way you can help us out. For those that want to support us directly, financially, we have a Patreon for that. And then lastly, it's all of our social channels, including Twitch. Uh, but the number one, as far as that goes, is YouTube which is youtube.com forward slash XP media now. And if you're looking to find me personally, you can find me on Twitch and Twitter at MTB Trigger. And I stream on Twitch a couple days a week. So come and hang out over there. Say, hey, I play PUBG and Tarkov 99% of the time. And every now and then I'll throw something else in there. But that's what I play on stream. But other than that, Ronald, how are you, man? Uh, let them know where they can find Ronald. Hey, what's up, everybody? Hope your week is going great. The best way to get a hold of me is always in Discord. Send me a DM. We're pretty much in Discord all day long and happy to answer those. You can also follow me on Twitter at Ronald Gaming and DM me there also if you want to. If you have something more serious or something outside of Discord that you'd like to get to us, you can email the show at xpmedia2020 at gmail.com. And lastly, you can always hang out and stream with me. I'm hanging out in MTB's Twitch stream as he's uh, streaming a couple times a week, answering questions, also just having fun and um, just relaxing. But before we get into tonight's show, we want to take a couple minutes, like Trigger kind of mentioned in Hideout Keeping, to talk about our gamer tags and kind of where they came from. Every now and then we get asked, 
how did you come up with your name and why did you come up with your name? And sometimes it's a really cool story. Sometimes it's nothing. Sometimes it was I clicked the random button. But Mike, a.k.a. MTB Trigger, where did MTB come from? (laughs) So this one comes up a lot with me because it's it's a two-part name for one, and MTB stands for a couple different things in different hobby-type arenas. So uh, so much so, it comes up in Twitch so much that I actually created a whole panel explaining this. But I know not everybody does Twitch or is on Twitch, so I don't expect everyone to read that anyway. I am not a mountain biker. I don't participate in mountain biking. I'm not against it. I actually enjoy it. I just, that's not where the name comes from. And a lot of people assume that out of the gate. So actually, MTP Trigger is my initials combined with a truncated version of my old Counter-Strike name. So my Counter-Strike name was Trigger Evo, which stood for Trigger Evolution, which is a name that my Counter-Strike buddies gave me back in the day. Because when I was young, I had very good reaction time and was kind of known for my flicks with pistols, uh, specifically the USP, or the silenced Counter-Strike gun, for those of you that uh, played Counter-Strike back then, especially in 1.5. MTB, like I said, is actually my initials, Michael Thomas Burns. There's actually a lot of people with uh, with that name. It's a very common name out there. But the story behind why this is in my gamertag is actually twofold. So First of all, MTB Trigger was my username in a lot of old games. And the way that people communicated in like Diablo 2 or World of Warcraft or games where you had multiple characters was actually your account name. So my account name was MTB Trigger on a lot of those older games. And so most people didn't take the time to learn each one of your characters' names. They just called you by your account name. So MTB Trigger was really easy because people just called me MTB. And that's what people called me anyway. So the more interesting part of the story is that I was also the captain of this Counter-Strike group, which was a real-life group of friends that we played football together. And then we also participated in some tournaments at our local land center. Yes, we made custom t-shirts. And uh, (laughs) there was a tournament that we went to, and we didn't have a name for our team, and they required it. So the crew voted that we should just use MTB because it was the only three-letter acronym that we could come up with, and I was the captain. So it worked out. A funny story related to this and why I've never changed it is we actually uh, we actually got sweatshirts made after that T-shirt in the tournament. And I've actually got it here. I've had it all these years. Uh, but we had these black hoodies made. And for those of you that are uh, watching the YouTube version, you'll see this. But I'll hold it up. So here's the MTB deal. And then on the back, we had our... Here's Trigger Evo. So hopefully the screen is that's fitting, but... So yeah, that that was the old one. There was also a version of it where we had our football numbers on the back because it, <laughs> it was a bunch of friends from playing football. But the best part about it was when we had the sweatshirts made, people at our school, at our high school, were convinced that it was a gang because there was actually six or seven of us, I think, that had the sweatshirts that were the Counter-Strike team. So all of the pictures that were taken of us our senior year of high school, the school thought it was a gang. So they removed any picture from the yearbook where we wore these and we wore them a lot. <laughs> total nerd, total jock and just didn't care what people thought I was wearing. So we we wore these sweatshirts all the time. So our, in our yearbook, there's like maybe one picture of all of us that were on this Counter-Strike team. So 
Anyway, that's where MTB Trigger comes from. What about you, man? Where does Ronald come from? Uh, that's an awesome story. I don't have a sweatshirt or a t-shirt with Ronald on it. We could fix that. Oh, we, we totally could, actually. Yeah, so Ronald, Ronald was actually not my original gamer tag. Back in the day, in the mid-90s, when I started playing games, mostly RTS games, my original gamer name was E-Rock, because my name is Eric, and... You know, being a uh, a very creative 12-year-old nerd, that's what I came up with. And let me tell you, pretty awesome. And it lasted for, uh, you know, lasted for a while through the beginnings of a lot of different games. But then eventually, they wouldn't let you have that short of names going into some of the bigger platforms. And when things got to be online and more integrated together, more than just LAN party type stuff uh, in the late 90s, I had to have a longer name. So I had a different name. And it was actually Sir Rockalot 2K. <laughs> and it's funny. Wow, you were owning. <laughs> oh, I was totally owning. And it's funny because that was my AOL Instant Messenger handle. And so let me, let me tell you, you may think that that's nerdy and that's, you know, kind of dorky, which it is. But I talked to my, my girlfriend at the time. I attracted a female with Sir Rockalot 2K who eventually became my wife. So you know what? I owned. That's all I got to say about that. <laughs> Dude, AOL. Instant Messenger. <laughs> oh, gosh, dude. I credit AOL Instant Messenger for learning, for me learning how to type. Because back then, dude, I would have like 20 chats going on. And I'm impressed that you actually attracted your wife that way because I probably had that goal and just failed because I, I didn't know what I was doing. But my original AOL handle and my first email ever was moving underscore meatloaf. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we we have all had, oh man, we have all had some embarrassing chat handles. I mean, oh man, so I'm going to, I'm just going to go ahead and throw this out there. So back in the day, there was this thing called ICQ and it was a, oh yeah, it was a precursor to what we take for granted now as being able to chat on things like Discord and things like that. But ICQ, all that stuff, uh, AOL and Hotmail, MSN chat, like MSN Messenger was like a thing after AIM kind of died down. But all those things where you got like bad names and whatever. But anyways, to get kind of back on topic here. So Sirocolot 2K <laughs> was my gamer tag for a while. When I dropped E-Rock because, you know, E-Rock was stupid, right? I had to go with Sirocco Lot 2K. And it was a joke. It was a joke that I, I latched onto because a friend of mine in high school bet me that I couldn't memorize all the lyrics to Baby Got Back. So I did. And then it just kind of turned into this thing. And he thought it would be really funny to call me Sirocolot 2K. And I, of course, embraced that fully. And so th that just kind of ended up like that. And so then when I started playing WoW, in 2007, uh, it wasn't available. So it was, you know, what do I do? So literally, I was at the point where I couldn't go back to Iraq because that name was already taken and, <laughs> and Sirocolot was not available. So I ended up random naming, you know, until I found something that was interesting. And Ronald was a combination of a couple of them. I just thought, okay, Ronald sounds good. And I was going to play a paladin. And so I named him Ronald. And that's kind of how that all started. And ever since 2007, I've been Ronald. And it's really funny because every now and then I play games with my uh, very old friends from that era. And they're like, Ronald, what is this? And so it, it, it's just kind of funny how, how that kind of works. But I was E-Rock back in the... Um, because uh, one thing you might not know about me is that I played, like you played competitive Counter-Strike, 
I played competitive StarCraft and got pretty high up in uh, the competitive Star Trek or StarCraft world. And I was E-Rock in the uh, in the latter tournaments in the late 90s in competitive Brood War. And so we got pretty high in, in uh, 2v2s. And so it's kind of interesting. No t-shirts. I never was cool enough uh, to have a t-shirt. <laughs> But uh, I definitely did not get mistook for being in a gang. I've never had that problem either. But nonetheless, here we go. And so now I've come full circle, my gamer tag, and now people think that I'm Ronald because now I'm old and bald. And so it just kind of fits and <laughs> I've kind of embraced it. And, you know, life, life kind of moves on. <laughs> That's good. I don't want to paint the picture, though, that the T-shirts that we had were these like when I say custom t-shirt, I kind of didn't want to admit to this, but like you had to have some sort of team uniform and you had to have a team name. And we learned all of this probably like way before the tournament, but we remembered the team uniform part. So we literally went and bought like a 10 pack of like Hanes white t-shirts <laughs> and we literally used like black permanent marker and made like the MTB uniform like outside the land center when they said we actually had to wear a uniform before we could play in the tournament. <laughs> so it was like uh, our first go at this was these awful, awful white T-shirts that were like literally done in, in black Sharpie. And then it, it turned into a much cooler thing that we actually wore wore with some pride. But wait, 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 wait. So you're saying that a bunch of FPS chads couldn't get organized? I, I'm shocked, actually. <laughs> we were very organized. I, I will say this, though. All of that makes me laugh. But one of the funniest things, like, this is so far off topic, but why not? We're already here. So this tournament, this land center, we were there a lot, right? And this was the first time they did a tournament. And it was like the team from the land center had just won, like the Counter-Strike 1.5 tournament for Colorado, which we didn't even know existed. But they were all like hyped up on this. And we're like, yeah, we, we're better than you. So we can take you down, right? And so <laughs> we go to the local tournament and one of the craziest things, and I'll never, ever forget it because they were talking so much trash and I'll never forget it. The very first round for all of you Counter-Strike old school junkies, it was on DE underscore Aztec, which was an iconic map in Counter-Strike 1.5. And we started on the Counter-Terrorists. And I, I told you about the USP pistol. And on the very first round in this tournament at the Land Center, I aced the other team. I killed all five members of the other team on the best team in Colorado at the time in the very first round with the USP pistol. And it got real quiet in that Land Center real quick. And I'll never forget it. And we we're wearing these ridiculous white t-shirts the whole time. You were owning. Was owning. <laughs> so anyway. Yeah, that's my that's one of my little uh, nerd fame moments. So you can't take it away from me. That's super fun to go down, uh, go go down nerd memory lane, as it were. Anyway, I think that uh, hopefully catches everybody up to where our names came from. Kind of fun stories. It's kind of fun to go down that nostalgia road. But I also, I guess, want to talk about some of the things that have happened in the last week or two while we're on the subject of what's happened in the past. And I've had some interesting things happen. And my mind has shifted to thinking about you know, like what, what Tarkov needs, where Tarkov could go. And I had a very interesting situation related to the 10 Men Labs conversation that we kind of outlined a few weeks ago. And I'm sort of torn on this, right? But let me, I'll just tell you what happened and I'll kind of let everybody kind of think 
for themselves, like what they want. I, and I kind of want your take on it too, but I was in a voice channel just hanging out, working on show notes for another one of the shows that we work on. And there was a group that was working on Shooter Born in Heaven. And I just sat in there, was listening and chatting with them. And then after a while, it came up like, hey, you know, this isn't going so well. And one of them was like, well, why don't the two of us just try to queue in at the same time as you do? And then if we get the same raid, we can just set up really far and you can shoot us and get your shooter born in heaven done since you just need two more kills. And so I listened and I didn't say anything because I was in and out, but they ended up doing it successfully. And so these three people queued in separately to the same map, which is effectively the same strategy that's used to queue into a 10-man lab situation. And they used it to achieve what couldn't otherwise be achieved outside of the game and got them their two headshots remaining for the task. And so I've been thinking about this for the better part of a week after having witnessed it. And I'm challenged because I kind of got to a point where I was sort of okay with 10-man labs. And when I kind of heard this going on, I was kind of like, oh, this is kind of like where the slippery slope kind of goes. And I'm not sure what I think about it. So what do you think about that scenario where people are queuing in outside of a group to get a task done? I think that in any game, regardless of what it is, whatever the genre is, eventually people will always find the easiest way to get things done. So it doesn't matter if you think this is cheating or if you think this is creative use of game mechanics or whatever you want to call this. I I really don't think that matters. I think that if the game has forced the player into a position where something that needs to happen gets you to this point, I always ask myself, is it fun for them to do this? Is it fun to have to intentionally try to cheese something? I don't think so. I mean, doesn't it become like, why am I doing this then? I think that it would be a real question as to, okay, maybe the design of this quest needs to be changed. Maybe they could still accomplish the same type of skill measurement as something of a progression, you know, some kind of on the linear progression of the game, maybe in a different way. But it seems to me like this particular task has reached a point at which it's just easier to cheese it than it is to do it the right way. And and I say the right way, and I'm not specifically judging it. What I'm saying is it's easier to do it the way that the game developers intended it to be done. I guess I would come back at you and say, what do you think is the main reason a player would want to do this over just natural progression? If if someone really is into Tarkov to have fun and to show off their skills, do you think this would be a situation where it would take away from that experience? I think you said a couple of things before your final question there that kind of resonate with me. And I think the first of those is the way that Battlestate originally designed this particular task. And I've always been a really big fan of quests or tasks or achievements that get players out of their comfort zone or get me out of my comfort zone and force me to do other things. And so the Shooter Born in Heaven task in this game actually did that for me. It forced me to do something I wasn't comfortable with. And so when I completed it for the first time, it was like, yes, this is awesome. Uh, But I can tell you that this wipe, you know, in last wipe, I got Kappa and this wipe, I just kind of got uninterested in that. But this wipe, like, it's not my favorite thing to do to go snipe and try to take long range fights. I prefer closer quarters combat. I prefer like factory, which you can't get a hundred meter shot there. 
I prefer interchange, which is mostly done in shorter corridors, the places that I go. And so I just think that if somebody was really into Tarkov and they didn't like to spend time doing long distance shots, I think having to do it 12 times and hit headshots each time, it's just a lot. I think it's asking a lot of a player. I think the intention of the task is really, really cool, but you have to do it so many times and on four different maps that I think it's commonly looked at as one of those tasks that's like, oh man, I still got Shooter Born in Heaven. And I think that's the problem is that I think people enjoy getting it done, but they don't necessarily enjoy the process of getting it done. So it's like that completion part of it feels great, but starting it stinks and doing it stinks. It's only the end that's really nice. So yeah, I like what you said. Maybe there's a different way to feel progression with this, but I agree. Maybe it's just too much. Maybe it's too far of a distance. I don't know. I think all of that could play into it. One of the interesting things about getting out of your comfort zone in Tarkov is that Tarkov usually seems to find a way to frustrate comfort zones on each side of the spectrum. I look at comfort zone as you want to play, you know, very slow or strategically and you're not as apt to run into PvP scenarios, right? Or or any kind of a fight. Or you're the other way. You're as you described, you don't want to play that way. You want to run into the fight and shoot people. And so you can't just do one or the other in Tarkov. Because what ends up happening is you will not progress doing it the slow and strategic way unless you eventually push yourself into that more aggressive play. And if you just try to play aggressive all the time, you're broke and you're not going to you're not going to get there. You're just going to die all the time and you're done. You can't do that. You have to do some kind of strategy or some kind of farming to get the job done. I think the task system was a great idea that perhaps needs to be iterated on. I mean, the game is beta, right? So I'm going to stop short of saying that it's broken. But what I'm going to say is that I think this is an opportunity to iterate on the task system specifically related to tasks like Shooter Born in Heaven, because we're in a situation where we've had several wipes of people doing this task progression system. We've had several wipes of people getting past it. And now every time a non-persistent game restarts and you have these really hard things that people have done once and felt that satisfaction of doing, it just turns into kind of a roadblock that you have no satisfaction at the end of it other than it's just another checkbox. And I think that's why we're seeing what we're seeing. It's turned into almost a meme of a task. And I think that is actually good that it's happening because the final game probably should have something different than this to show off your long-range sniper skills. And if they can pull that off, I think Tarkov long-term will be in a better spot. Yeah, like they, I mean, it could be like a, a progression or an achievement or hit a 100 meter shot, then 150, then a 200, then a 250, then a 300, then a 350. And maybe they don't all need to be required for Kappa, but it could also be like a weapon mastery scenario, like hit a 100 meter shot with every gun, right? And then you unlock something. I don't know. There's like so many ways it could go. I guess I want to add in as we're as we're talking about PVE, I guess I guess I want to add in something that you and I have been doing uh, that maybe could contribute to this a little bit as well. Because while Shooter Born in Heaven is a PvP related task, you're killing PMCs, I look at the tasking system in general as as a healthy mix of both. You know, so as we're as we're talking about this, I don't want to leave PvE completely out of it. 
And one of the things that, that you and I have been doing is that while we plan episodes or we can catch 30 minutes here and there, we've been playing a little bit of WoW or World of Warcraft. And while we're chatting or prepping, it's, it's a heck of a lot easier to plan when you're not getting shot at or you're not trying to exfil with a, with a bag full of loot. And so it, it has me thinking about all of the PvE things and what PvE can do uh, for a persistent game as well. And so when you said like, it should or potentially could end up as a different sort of implementation in the final game. I agree. I think Shooterborn in Heaven is actually a great example of a comfort zone mover, and it could be turned into a much larger series or a much larger piece of the game for somebody that, you know, wants to test the waters with long range combat, and then maybe they want to master it. And it could really be a great sort of piece of that persistent puzzle. Yes, but also too, you have to consider skill levels as you progress through Tarkov. Now in theory, by the time you unlock Shooterborn in Heaven, it should be attainable. One thing I've noticed with Tarkov is that the solo and the group play are just drastically different experiences. If you're primarily a solo player, you may hit a point in the task system where you just don't have the skill to overcome that next hump. And you're going to have to find people to play with or talk to, to show you or whatever. Like you're just going to hit a wall, I think, at a certain point. Not everybody, but I think this does happen in the game is my point. In group play, this is just so less frequent because when you're doing a map or a raid with your friends, they're also doing things with you. And they're like, go over here, go over here. And you can't discount the amount of small interactions, a small little, oh yeah, pick this up or whatever, or I've got this task. Or, hey, do you have this task? Because if you do, that's just right over here. Let's stop over there. And I think the tasking system for people who primarily pray in duos or all the way up to squads, full squads, I think the tasking system is maybe a little easier. And I'm not sure if I think that's bad. It's an observation just of now, I would say, you know, well into our second wipe now. I'm just observing that I think the task system is easier for playing with your friends. Now, there's other disadvantages to that, but specifically related to tasking. And I think that because of that, it forces people to then reach out and say, I have the Shooter Born in Heaven quest. I need to cheese this. Let's just get together and do this, right? And coming full circle back to your original comment, it doesn't feel fun when the game forces me into a situation that I can either spend tens of hours, you know, trying to solve, or I can solve it in two or three hours playing with a couple of people. I mean, it's a time versus value proposition there and a fun versus not fun. And I just think that I, I just think it doesn't feel right in its current state. Yeah, and I, I guess that's where I was going to circle back to was the opportunity of it, because I think the Shooter Born in Heaven task is very, very challenging. And maybe it stays in the final shipped product of the game. But I think to your point, to go from whatever tasks you did leading up to that to having to hit 100 meter headshots over and over and over is not easy. So like, yeah, I think a lot of people, if they're trying to get Kappa and they're focused on it, they may grind it out and figure it out. But for somebody that is struggling with the skill gap of doing that, like maybe you came from other game types or you're struggling with the long range combat and leading the shots the right way, you get killed a couple times trying this and it's just going to be brutal. So I think there's an opportunity for more of a progression here or a leading up to this task that could be implemented in the future. 
Which, again, I don't think it needs to take away from completing Shooter Born in Heaven, right? It's a hardcore game. We get that. It's meant to be hard. But I don't think adding in some stepping stones is going to hurt the achievement of Shooter Born in Heaven, kind of to your point. I, I think there's a happy medium of keeping hard tasks in the game, but also not punishing the skill gap super chat, like over punishing the skill gap. Yep, they're going to have to find that balance here, you know, in the next iteration probably of of the game because definitely there's been enough players now with the influx of players and, you know, 12 point, was it 12.4, 12.5 in January. There's been so many players now that have gone through it once. They're going to probably have to make some major decisions on persistent versus non-persistent soon. And if they go persistent, they're going to have to rework the task system. Well, and so I, I was just thinking about that, though, because if I only had to do Shooter Born in Heaven one time, and that was it, I'm not sure it needs to be reworked in the persistent system. I think for me, it's actually more punishing in the seasonal system, where if long range sniping is not your play style, and you have to do it every reset, it's brutal. So I guess let's kind of take this like we can talk about shooter board in heaven inside and out upside and down long range short range 100 meters whatever. Do you think offline mode could be you like used or repurposed to be an effective player versus environment that is as rewarding as what's currently going on in the game from like a PVP standpoint? Like do you think it could be used to offset some of that or be repurposed that way? I think it's a two part answer. There's two very different pieces to this. The first part is they could use the technology, yes, to create a PvE environment. They already have the technology to do this, stemming from offline mode. If they say that they're doing this from offline mode, culturally within the game, they're going to set up everybody who does this as being less than. And they got to really watch if they go down this this route. I You can't say, well, all of this came from offline mode and you're just bad at the game. So now you're doing PVE. Like if they explained it that way, that would be a huge mistake because culturally people who have never played PVE games before don't understand this to begin with. And they already look down on the idea that there has to be some kind of PVE in the first place. And you'd never be able to get through that wall of prejudice against it by that group of people by saying that it came from offline mode. I think what they're going to end up doing is repurposing the technology, calling it something totally different, because it's a two-pronged battle, right? You've got to market the the new feature in a way where gamers are going to accept it. You want your player base to accept it. And the other piece of it is it has to actually be developable. So it has to be something that they can create and not spend so many resources on or so much time, right? It's a time thing as well. They need to keep the progression of the game going. And then in the future, as they add more maps and as they add more features to the game, it has to be able to be integrated into whatever PvE type scenario they come up with. So I think that the foundation for PvE is definitely going to be the offline mode. And I hope that they don't describe PvE by comparing it to offline, I guess would be my initial thoughts on that. What do you think? Yeah, I think you hit the biggest challenge on the head is how to balance things earned in offline or PvE, whatever it ends up being, right? And I think that is a dangerous term that they called that experience right now is offline, because earning items offline, which again, you can't play Tarkov when you're not connected to the internet. 
right? And that's where the offline thing doesn't sit very well. But balancing the rewards or lack thereof or whatever they are, if they use that system to develop it with what you get from playing the game in the PvP enabled arena, yeah, that would be the biggest challenge, I think. And I personally, I, I have no idea how they would accomplish that. A lot of games tackle it. A lot of games figure it out. But Tarkov is unique in that it's the you know an FPS loot shoot sim. Uh, you can lose all your stuff. And if you can earn it with no PvP on, it makes it really interesting, right? It's kind of the 10-man labs question repurposed for the whole game. So I don't know. It's an interesting challenge. I think it could be done. I agree with you. I think it would stem from uh, that same section. I think that they could turn offline mode into a PvE experience, and they would be battling some of that upward climb of explaining why it needs to happen or why it's there or, you know, how to limit it. And, you know, I can think of any number of ways to test it. You can do one offline raid a day and... Maybe only, I don't know, maybe the stuff that comes out in your secure container or there's a separate stash loot. Maybe you can only bring out a certain number of items or it's a cooldown based system, you know, kind of like WoW does it, for example. But other games do the cooldown system as well. And frankly, the hideout does this right now. You know, you can only pull so much value out of the hideout on a given day, even when it's maxed out. So there's already balancing being done like this. And I think they could also do that for this sort of experience. But they could also do so many other things too. It's not just about necessarily loot that you find. It could be, okay, today's PVE challenge is they're going on customs and there's a hundred scavs on the map. And you, if you kill 80 of them, you get you get free ammo or you get a buff to the hideout that it, it produces double for the next 24 hours or something. Once you introduce these layered systems into the game, there are so many things that can be done with it that actually are still, the player is still fighting. They're just maybe not fighting other players. And if you make it so that you can still achieve the same results, like for example, let's say if you achieve the same results with half the PvP kills in the actual game, then you're not punishing either group and you're creating a f- you're creating fun for a whole new group of people that maybe that week, maybe they didn't want to do a bunch of, of raids. Maybe just wanted to do the PvE raid system. And yes, you're killing more of the scavs. Let's say you have a bunch of scavs, but maybe it's not as hard, but it's fun to go in and mow down a bunch of scavs. And that could be fun for any kind of player. So I really think that there is opportunity to think outside of this idea that we need to restrict what PvE mode can be because it's going to break the experience of the PvP-only player. And I I think that they, if they think from that perspective, they're going to severely limit the amount of people that can enjoy Tarkov. And I've seen other games do this, and I've seen other games struggle with balance between PvE and PvP. Newsflash, if you don't play any games ever other than PvP games, this is not something that's new. This balance and this problem has existed for 25 years in game design. And everybody kind of approaches it very differently. There, It kind of all comes down to how much do you want to value one or the other, or do you want to value the player's choice to do either one as an equal choice? And so I think Tarkov's choice and the game design itself about being seasonal or persistent is going to be the the biggest design decision that's going to influence how this goes in the future. Yeah, I actually couldn't agree more. And I think the player base in general is on that same 
sort of line of thinking and wanting to know when and what's the timeline. You know, but again, I just think about all the opportunities. Like we talked about a real opportunity with Shooter Born in Heaven as one example. Like why why not introduce a PVE mode where you build your loadout, you build your gun, and you're in a sniper situation, just like that hundred scavs and you kill eighty. They could easily make it a sniper map, right? Or first kill. There's a hundred scavs on here. First kill five over 50 meters. Like you could progress people into this stuff. And again, there's going to be people that have no interest in PVE content, right? I'm one of these weird players that like I fluctuate in and out of PVE and PVP. If you look at my World of Warcraft history, there were times when I was all in on raiding and pushing the PVE line and being at the cutting edge of it. And then there was times where I didn't care about raiding or doing instances. All I wanted to do was 2v2, 3v3, um, and do PvP stuff only. And so I, I just think that there is a way to balance it. And I think people will float back and forth between them. But I agree for the long term and, and persistent model um, or, or seasonal. I mean, I think you're right. I think whichever one they choose, I still think this could be developed for either one. And it could be ultimately something that keeps players around for a very long time. The challenge with PvP is that it is always intense. And so what ends up happening when you play a PvP-only game for a long length of time is most gamers burn out and switch to something else. Because either you get to a point at which you're not the best anymore, there's always someone better, and that limits your potential when it's strict just PvP, because you will always run into someone who's better than you, and you start to get frustrated. And so then it becomes a fun versus time invested kind of question, right? And when you don't have any other things to do, but just keep grinding against the wall of not fun, no matter how much time you put in, because you've hit your skill cap, you play something else. And I think if you're honest with yourself, everybody runs into that wall eventually. And, you know, you can, when you hit that wall, there's many different explanations for what's happening during that time. But we'll just leave it at that. It is, generally speaking, just a, a skill wall. If the game is designed well enough to have other things to do to supplement fun while you're spending time playing it, then that wall is okay. Because if you're a PvP only person who hits that wall and you go do, say, a 100 scav challenge, and I'm just making this up to prove a point. You say you go do a 100 scav challenge, you may get better. Everything about the way that you play may get better. And you dive back into a raid with other PMCs and everything and all the variability of Tarkov, and you overcome your wall. Because PvP was there as something for you to have the option to do when you needed it. And so this is where, like, this idea that PvE is just less than and not complementary to a PvP game, I think is a little bit short-sighted. But the game designers at least recognized you had to have an offline mode to the raids so that you could at least learn where things were because the game has nothing to tell you where it is. So they at least recognize that. And that's the first step, I think, towards this idea that there has to be some kind of PvE mode in the game that can be a fun track for a PvE player, plus can be a supplemental track for a PvP player. Yeah, I don't have anything to add to that other than, you know, I kind of agree. I've played, you can call every, uh, like, console game that I've ever played, because I've never really done multiplayer on console, at least it's been a long time, you know, but it's like you could call A Link to the Past on the SNES PvE if you wanted to, right? 
it's a really fun game. I I don't think that I only have fun in PvP or that I could only have fun in PvE. And I think that's a I agree. It's really easy to think like, well, I wouldn't do that, so that's not fun. Well, it may not be fun for me, but somebody else may really enjoy that. Like Tarkov is one of the coolest, like most deep gun building and tactical simulators out there. Does it does it need PvP in it to for people to have fun? Well, I enjoy it. But it would be cool if I could just go in and do some tactical simulations or or run an encounter or an extract or save a hostage or, you know, like there's so much opportunity there. And I I think that, I mean, a lot of that stuff is played out in other games, but Tarkov has one of the most unique landscapes to really put in some crazy cool content. And the scav bosses, to me, show that they have the ability to put in really unique and fun fights that are dynamic, they're learning and doing new stuff with Sanitar recently, and that's what PvE encounters, if we're looking at something like raiding, is all about. So it's like they've proven their ability to at least get this stuff started. They have an offline mode. They have scav bosses. They now have scavs acting like humans, like how people act. Like This is so shockingly close to being able to like flesh this out that it's like, where is it? <laughs> you know, why isn't it being talked about? So I agree. I think it could be really, really cool. One of the things I've always appreciated about squad or team-based PVE gameplay is that time to kill was longer. So you get the opportunity to use all the tips and tricks and little cheeky things that you know how to do in a game. And so if you're sitting in a scenario where you have, let's say, five or ten other players on purpose with you, and you're saying, okay, we're going to go hunt down this scav boss, or we're going to go try to find uh, this missing person, or we're going to go try to storm the castle or storm something and take it from Yusek or Bear or whatever, kind of the things we talked about a little bit in the last episode that we talked about PvE on, those things are all situations where they do require skill. You can't just AFK through this type of scenario because you actually have to contribute to to the group. And so it's like just because it's story-based doesn't mean that it's it's less than just getting put into a battle royale or just the, the meat grinder of PvP. I actually think it can be harder in some scenarios and more interesting when you have an objective when the game is feeding you different things that happen based on triggers for stuff that you've accomplished. And when that objective is more than just, I'm better at aiming than you are, and so I'm dead, or I can afford to have a million ruble kit and you can't, so you're dead. And I think that actually, I think PvE can be harder than PvP. And it could be controversial to think that if you've never been in a game where you've had to do collaborative raiding for PvP. But I can tell you, going back to Warcraft, I have done 40-man raids, 25-man raids in situations where getting 25 people or, or 40 people back in the day, but 25 people all to have a responsibility to do that responsibility correctly, use all of their skill. When the success is based on that, on everybody doing the right thing, that's a lot harder than just getting lucky with a headshot in PvP. And so I think it could be appealing to PvP players because it's challenging. A lot of PvP players are in it because they like the challenge. They like the idea that they're going to go up and get someone and you want to know who the best is. And PvE can be appealing to the PvP group. I'm making this kind of point on purpose in this direction. Because if you're a PvE player, 
you already are. And I've heard some PvP players comment back to me about our discussion on this. And I just want to say to them, this could be beneficial to you too. And so I think I think everybody could really win in this scenario if Battle State will kind of think about how the game could be better with it. Yeah, I agree, you know, and I uh I don't see how it would be negative, right? I don't see how it would be a negative to add it into the game if it's something they can do, you know? So all of this stemmed from this original sort of thought about queuing at the same time, you know, and not being on the same team. So I guess the the thought I want to leave with right now, and for everybody listening and everyone watching, I guess the question I have for you is, do you think that the evolution of the queue at the same time scenario that allows people to cheese tasks or queue into 10-man raids, do you think that's a problem that BSG needs to directly respond to? That's the first one. And then the second one is, do you think PvE could be and should be uh, expanded on in Tarkov? Those are the questions that I think is good as a community that we that we think through. Yeah, I agree with you. I kind of want to know what everyone's opinion is on the PvE versus PvP question. I'm not going to call it a debate because it really isn't. I just want to know what, what you guys are thinking on this. I think this would be a great opportunity. Let's have a talk about this. Post your comments, post your feedback. Let's get this going in Discord and let's talk about this because this is a pretty big question and a pretty big opportunity for BSG. And who knows, BSG may end up directly responding to how people are using 10-man labs right now, or they may not. And we don't know. So let us know what you think. That's our question for this week. We'd love to hear back from everybody listening. We always enjoy community uh, interaction. But that's about it. I'm seeing the green bar flash pretty uh, pretty greeny above me right now. And so we're, uh, we're up at about an hour, so that means that it is time for us to almost disappear. But before we do that, we want to say thank you to everybody for listening to the show. Thank you for all the support that you've given uh, Dexville podcast and thank you for all the support you've given to xp media on youtube we appreciate everybody and all of your interaction there i want to say a special shout out we've got over 1300 people in discord right now which is great the discord has grown it's an active community we appreciate each and every one of you and uh, we're glad that you are all there also if you're listening to the audio version of this show you can Pick us up on Spotify and Stitcher, iTunes, anywhere that you can pick up audio podcasts, even Deezer. We do have our very first report from Deezer, which was fantastic. That's the European version of Spotify. I saw that email come through. We got the through. report on it? I saw, I saw the email come through. We actually have a Deezer subscriber, which I thought was fantastic. We are owning. Yes. We are owning. So thank you, especially to that one person on Deezer. We appreciate it. But that's pretty much it. We hope you all have a great week, and we hope that you have great luck in your raids and progressing through the task system towards Kappa. Good luck with all those tasks that you have to do, and we will see you next week. See you guys. Thank you. Take it easy. 